Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. Before I started on the journey that is writing a book, I came up with the idea of the Curiosity Toolkit. Originally, it was going to be an online course. And as the desire came and went to produce online courses as part of my business plan, I mean, I love teaching, but not in that medium. I archived the toolkit. As the structure and content of my book began to take shape, I realized the toolkit would fit nicely into the overall story structure. The Curiosity Toolkit is broken down into 14 chapters and uses our body, mind, and spirit as an implement for our curiosity. I'll read two chapters from this section in today's episode, The Introduction and Soul. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 642. Before I dive into the two chapters from the Curiosity Toolkit section, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to these very personal monologues. And while it's been nerve-wracking to share unfinished work, that really is the creative process. Yes, we can create in a vacuum, but eventually the work does need to find an audience. Whatever creative dream you have, I hope you'll find the courage to share with others and move ever closer toward the realization of your creative dreams. But for now, here are the two chapters from the section of my book, The Curiosity Toolkit. Now that the philosophical examination of curiosity is over, it's time to get practical. By putting a framework of curiosity in place, depending on where you find yourselves in the moment, you can be more curious. It's going to take some time to develop the tools in your toolkit, but consider it your life's work. Why a toolkit? For two reasons, genetics and organization. My grandpa loved tools. He was a mechanic in World War II and later in life owned a wrecking yard. I didn't know him until his garage became a museum of the past as layers of dust and memories coated parts, cars, and tools. When I close my eyes, I can see shelves and tool chests all full. There was a tool for every job and every tool had its place. I don't have any doubt that even in the deepest grip of Alzheimer's, my grandpa knew where each tool was and what it was used for. Rule number one, there is a unique tool for any job, and it has a place in the toolkit. Using the toolkit as an organizing principle is important because it connects past, present, and future. For me, my toolkit is a literal tool chest in my garage. It was given to me long after my grandpa died. Right now it's empty, but it's my job to fill it and then organize it. What does your toolkit look like, and what memory is it connected to? As we connect past and present together, it makes the future not only possible, but also sustainable. But what do we put in our toolkit? How do we begin to fill it and organize it? We do so by using the curious output of our entire body and senses. You get to decide which tool is appropriate for the job, but as you begin to explore different forms of curiosity, your toolkit expands and grows. I picture my toolkit in the garage, and it has the same number of drawers as my own body. In each drawer are the different tools of curiosity. I'm ready to go at a moment's notice, but I'm also able to fill it with new tools, because this metaphorical tool chest is infinitely expansive and limitless, like each of us. So what are the different parts of the Curiosity Toolkit? First, 
the mind, our intellect. Second, heart, emotions. Third, gut, our intuition. Fourth, the soul. Fifth, our eyes. Sixth, our ears. Seventh, our mouth and the words we speak. Eighth, our tongue and the things we taste. Ninth, our nose and what we smell. Tenth, our hands and our sensation of touch. Eleventh, our skin and the things that we feel. Twelfth, our feet and our movement throughout this world. Thirteenth, our imagination, which is our projection of ourself. And fourteenth, our entire being all at once. And now the chapter, Soul. If the mind, heart, and gut are about an internal compass, a moral core, an ethical set of rules, the soul is the antenna to the external, the infinite, the unknown. There is so much to be curious about when it comes to the soul. Where does it reside in our bodies? Does it even exist? How much does it weigh? How much of the soul is defined and influenced by others, by our search for something beyond ourselves, truth, an operating system, a way of living, versus code provided for us? So many questions and an equal number of assumptions. There's also a huge possibility to get lost in religious terminology, jargon, words that make anyone feel uncomfortable, not to mention dogma, historical trauma, and the lust for power. Fortunately, we can be curious about the soul without all this baggage. You're not signing up to join a church or become a missionary to another country. You're saying that you merely want to start paying attention to something or someone else to tune your antenna to the eternal. I recognize that statement sounds a lot like mental illness, but looking beyond ourselves for questions, guidance, a sense of belonging, purpose, and impact all rest in the soul. But where to begin the soul's journey? First, knowing the difference between mind, heart, and gut. There are thoughts, feelings, and emotions that don't make logical, rational, or emotional sense and do not fit into those categorizations. They are beyond individual, cultural, and communal concerns. They are infinite, expansive, esoteric, and even cosmic. They don't make sense, and there's no way you could have come up with them on their own. The soul is the radio tuner connecting to a spiritual or universal perspective beyond origin, tribe, and religion. It allows you to be open to receive ideas, our thoughts, prompts, clues, and messages from beyond. Sometimes the signal is crystal clear, and other times it's nothing but static. But search our souls must. It scans the frequencies in search of change, even in the midst of cultural safety and comfort. I love the idea of a searching soul, really sitting with the discomfort of wanting to be somewhere else, feeling unsettled, desperate for something more. Is this all there is to life? How many times have you asked that question in the last three years, let alone in your entire life? It's an important question to not only ask, but to open yourself up to the answers and the search for a new way of being. The answer is different every time you ask the question. Time travel, 2000. 
The span of years from 1997 to 2000 were when my soul was lit up and desperately searching and trying to find its way for my life. There's always been a desire to live a life of meaning and purpose, but I also wanted to be rich. And that conflict between purpose and riches was the core battle of my soul for the majority of my life on this planet. Looking back at this time of my life, I was so lost. I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I knew that computers were an interest, but I also loved music. I went to college to study computer science after two years. I didn't get good enough grades in the pre-courses, so I changed my pursuit to business and then art. Eventually, I dropped out of college and joined a friend's rock band. After that didn't work out, I moved home before heading on a trip to Israel and Jordan in the summer of 2000. In the memory I'm currently reliving, I'm walking in the land of ruins and religion, listening to Dream Theater. I bought an import at a Tower Records in Jerusalem. Now that's a memory. Location after location, story after story, belief after belief, conversation after conversation, and yes, song after song, my soul's tuner was locked into a signal, and I started listening. The sense of belonging I felt during this trip changed everything. After a long period of feeling alone and isolated, I was around people who wanted to get to know the real me. The more conversations we had, the more I paid attention to how their lives were different than mine. I fell in love with these conversations. I remember sitting in the lobby of the King David Hotel, drinking Orange Fanta, and talking with someone who would become a friend and mentor. I remember the bus trips from site to site, the late-night chats around the fire pit on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. It could be any other place if it weren't for the electricity in the air. This time of my life was a major transition point from where I was headed to where I was going. I chose purpose and meaning over riches. Not that they are diametrically opposed to values, but in my understanding at the time, it was one or the other. They were enemies. I needed to move away from the hunger for escape, for fame and adoration, and instead step into something I could never fathom for my life. The thing about the soul that I'm learning is that it does not stay static. It is constantly expanding and evolving. But in this journey's beginning, I wanted this feeling of belonging and certainty to last forever. I wanted to be stable and comfortable. But after five years, this leg of my soul's journey ended, and for the next 16 years, I was adrift wandering the desert as I searched for what I lost the stability of community and belonging that I believed would last forever. For much of the past 16 years, I tried to shut down the radio tower of my soul. I didn't want to hear from God or about him any longer. But the soul doesn't stop searching, which is a really good thing. We desperately need what's on the other side of the signal. But what happens when we shut down the soul's expression and communication with us? It finds a way to get our attention wherever it can in our lives. And for me, it was music. I've always loved it as long as I can remember, but my soul found healing in two concept albums by the Neil Morse Band, The Similitude of a Dream and The Great Adventure. 
both based upon stories from Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress, a story that has made multiple appearances in my life at different periods, from an illustrated version, very creepy, and a young adult translation, to the actual book by Bunyan, and now these concept albums. When I heard the similitude of a dream, it was a story I could understand. But I recognized in the telling of the story, it was my dad's story. His own journey to the celestial city. The pain of leaving family behind. Finding new people along the way. But it's also my story as well, as I journey through doubt and despair to reconcile what was lost with my dad. When the new Morse band announced the follow-up, The Great Adventure, it not only continued the story, but chose to focus on the son who was left behind. It was truly my story. Anger and sadness, frustration and regret, but also searching for redemption and reconciliation. These albums, along with others by Neil Morse, were connection points for my soul to show me a new way forward, for rediscovering God's importance in my life. I no longer identify as an evangelical Christian, but I do love the power that Christianity has to heal the world and become a place of rest and life for everyone. I'm not into religion anymore, but I do love that my soul is open to the spiritual through the creative expression of art, music, writing, and relationships. There's so much beauty in the world, and my soul daily searches for it. In the midst of chaos, pain, sorrow, negativity, and nothingness, there is a connection to hope, love, possibility, evolution, passion, and purpose. But you have to pay attention. The soul whispers most of the time. The signal is faint. It is quiet, infinite, and atomic. It is nothing compared to the rock concert of the world, cranked up and always demanding attention. As you sit in silence and open your ears to your entire being, what do you hear? How are you open to change? What new direction and unforeseen possibilities are you expecting? Are you open to hope and love? Or perhaps you'll let the distractions of worldly pursuits keep you trapped in a slew of despair. It is your choice. Let your soul's antenna power up because the broadcast never ends. Well, that does it for reading from the different sections of my forthcoming book, A Curious Journey, Learning to Coexist in Solitude, Relationships, and Community. So what's next, you might ask? Well, now I'm ready to take the time to edit and complete the manuscript. Once that is done, I'm going to be sharing it with several trusted sources so that they can read it and provide notes. And since I have no idea how much work there is before me, I am anticipating a major rewrite. And once that's done, it will find its way into the light and hopefully your hands. While I'm nervous about sharing the entire project and hearing what people have to say, I do want to get this book out of my head so that I can move on to the next one. I'm going to be sharing more of my writing and book news on my personal site, chrismartin.com, and in the coming weeks, I'm going to be adding a newsletter and other functionality to begin building my writing platform. I hope to see you there. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.